from the Gospel of Mark, it's Jesus speaking. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, its lesson, as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly, and what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. It's Advent, the season of waiting, the season of hopeful expectation. So why this reading? full of despair and destruction. And we don't even have the worst of it. We've been, uh, we've been able to avoid the first part of this chapter 13 of Mark, where it says things like, pray that this does not happen in winter. For in those days there'll be suffering unlike anything that has ever happened from the beginning of creation that God created until this moment. Or ever will happen. It's pretty devastating. The sun will be darkened, the moon won't shine, the stars will fall from the skies. So why a reading about the end of the world at the beginning of the church year of Advent? And this isn't just an aberration this year. This is what we get every Advent, first Sunday of Advent, every year. I've long ago given up trying to figure out how the lectionary is put together. It's all in bits and pieces and so often. But there's certainly one reason for it, and that's because Jesus is a truth-teller par excellence. He's, it's important to him all the time to tell things as they truly are, as they really are. Advent is about waiting, but it's not about waiting for a fantasy. You may know that at Christmas time, organisations that are part of the Uniting Church, like Lifeline, United Communities and here through the Hopes Cafe and the Spire community, there's increasing pressure 
because people are matching the life that they're living with the life they're supposed to be living at Christmas time. And there's a huge gap. There's a gap for all of us. We're going to, some of us will gather with friends and some of us will gather with family and it'll be what it is, sometimes good, sometimes not good. Some of our family are the people we perhaps wouldn't choose to spend an afternoon with, but it's Christmas so we're going to do it. There's all kinds of things. The TV version and the reality are quite different. Advent is not about waiting for that fantasy. One Christmas, it'll all be perfect. One Christmas, I'll have enough money. One Christmas, I'll be able to talk to my brother or the, my cousin. Or, as in this Christmas, I'll be able to actually physically be with the people that I love who are in distant places and we can't meet. Advent is about waiting, but it's about truth, truthful waiting, truth-telling. The world will end. Climate change is telling us that quite a lot at the moment. The heat death of the sun will happen in about seven and a half billion years, so that's something to look forward to for those of us who might still be there. It's never going to be like it is now forever. And of course, your world, my world, will end at the moment of our death. This is a truth that we live with. We can ignore, we certainly have ignored our damage to the climate for long enough, and some people ignore their own death as if it's never going to happen. They live as if there's plenty of time for everything, when there, of course there isn't. But how does this reading help us deal with those truths, this strange apocalyptic reading? First, it tells us that it will happen. No amount of positive thinking or denial will change that. You can't think positive thoughts about the environment, we have to do something. You can't be in denial about your own, the end of your own life. It will happen. My uh, partner, many of you know, Jana, was, uh, worked in the palliative care service in the Northern Territory for a number of years as the pastoral care uh, manager. And the number of times she would come home telling me that either the patient themselves or the patient's family were finding it impossible to deal with the fact that this person was in palliative care. And we, before you, you get into the palliative care system, you're given a really extensive set of interviews where, you, so to help you understand that palliative means we will do the very best we can to keep you comfortable and, and uh, pain-free, but we can't fix you, we can't cure you. You are going to die of whatever it is you're in here for. And many people, of course, deal with that in lots of different ways. But the number of people that she would come across who refused to believe it, they wanted a different doctor because this doctor was obviously an idiot. Even though it wasn't just one, you don't get into palliative care, at least in the territory, I suppose it's true here, without a number of doctors agreeing that this is the situation. And, or the, the family saying, don't tell the patient. We don't want them to know that they're going to die. They've always known they're going to die. We all know it. No amount of positive thinking or denial will change. These are the truths. A forceful personality can't change it. Donald Trump hasn't been able to affect COVID's impact on the United States by his forcefulness or his wishful thinking or his untruths. That's the first thing. This is going to happen to us as individuals and to us as a culture. The second thing is that there are signs according to this reading. They're not signs that will help you decipher when these things are going to happen. Jesus is quite clear 
that you don't know the hour of your death and you don't know the end of things as these people have experienced it. Remember this was written not long after, the or, or may have been in the middle of, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70, which was the most cataclysmic event. It was the Second World War of their time. It changed absolutely everything. Whatever was happening before it and what was happening afterwards are completely different because of that event. There are signs, not to decipher that when it will happen, but to remind us that it is going to happen. So the fig tree, that is going to happen. And the, the idea of signs is to remind us, yes, that's true. Um, Hilda and I were discussing on the way in that our bodies don't appear to want to do the things that our brains think they should be able to do because we've gotten older. I'm aching all over from doing some work with my son this weekend. He's 40. He was fine. I'm not so fine. He kept going and I was struggling. But I don't feel any different inside than I did when I was 40 or 14. But there's signs that my body is changing and my life is changing. I'm getting slower. The world is changing rapidly. I, I read yesterday about a social media star on an app called TikTok, which you probably never heard of if you don't have young children and, or grandchildren. And uh, this work person earned uh, $6.5 million last financial year by being a social influencer on TikTok. And this person's not alone. There are many people. That's, that's changing so fast we can't even get a handle on it. So what do the signs tell us? That change is the only constant. If you've got a fig tree, go and look at it today. And if you pay attention, in another couple of days, it'll be different. If you can pay attention. If not, if you're like me, you just don't look at it for months at a time. And then you notice, oh yeah, it's spring. Oh yeah, it's got fruit. It's changing all the time. And it sometimes changes rapidly. Uh, I, I've been reading some histories of, uh, of Europe after the war. And I was struck by the number of significant post-war leaders, all of whom died within a couple of years of each other. Um, Churchill in 65, and Adenauer, and de Gaulle, and uh, Truman, and Eisenhower. Suddenly, these colossal figures are all gone. In, in a matter of four, uh, six years, I think, between the death of, of uh, Churchill in 65, and, and, and I think um, Truman. Six, six years later. Third thing that this reading wants us to know is we should keep alert and keep awake. Jesus is calling us not to sort of passive waiting. Well, this is just the, the way it is. I'm sitting in the doctor's waiting room hoping that it'll be not too long before I've got the appointment and I know it. No, it's not passive waiting. It's waiting in hope and expectation. Which is why I'm using these images of um, pregnancy, because there's something constantly dynamic about the possibility of the arrival of a new person in the world. And I've only obviously been an observer of that experience. I've not experienced it myself. But even from an outside observer's point of view, it's totally life-changing just to be a part of it, those of you who've had that opportunity. We had to wait in hope and expectation. That's what Advent tells us to do. There's this old story of the Buddha that I'm sure I've told before, uh, that a, a Brahmin priest um, 
meets the Buddha on the road and asks him um, whether he was a god. And the Buddha says, no. And then he says, well, are you a spirit? No. Well, are you an angel? And the Buddha says, no. And the Brahmin priest says, well, what are you? And the Buddha says, I'm awake. And apparently the word Buddha means I'm awake. This is the thing that Jesus is calling us to, to be awake in the moment. And why do we need to be awake? Because we'll miss something glorious. So many people at Jesus' time were waiting for a Messiah, someone who would come and save them, a kind of combination of a religious and moral leader and soldier who would wipe out the current superpower that had them in chains. Not the Syrians uh, that uh, Richard referred to in the book of Isaiah, but the Romans. They were waiting. And a Messiah did turn up. But what they got was a baby born in a shed in a very small provincial town. It's easy to miss it. It's easy to miss the coming of God into the world in any moment. And in order to wait, you have to be quiet, don't you? You have to be patient. You have to be quietening yourself inside. It's a terrible time to do Advent. It's Christmas. I've got a very good friend who for many years has gone on retreat, silent retreat, sometime in the middle of December and doesn't come back till the end of, of uh, New Year's Day. He just needs to be away from all of this. And I, many Christmases, look at him with envy. It's just nuts most of the time, isn't it? What a terrible time to try and do Advent when everything is sort of ramping up and what a crazy year to do it when we're so unsure about the kinds of things we will be able to do by the time we get to the first, the first few days before Christmas and Christmas Day itself. But it's, it's somehow an internal quietness that we're being called to do. Now, some of us have had a bit of that with COVID with all the terrible things about it, it has forced us. Last Sunday, I don't know what you did last Sunday morning. Um, I came to here just to make sure that um, no one was sort of wandering around wondering what was going on. And then I went home and I just sat quietly on my veranda and just let things happen to me a bit more, which I don't do very, I'm not very good at meditating, I'm terrible at it. I know a church in the United States, a very big church, that uh, for a number of years they were overwhelmed by their programs. And this is a church with a staff of I don't, something like 20 or 30 uh, individuals who were all paid to do various things in, in this enormous structure. Uh, and they decided one year they wouldn't do anything in January. And by anything, I mean they just closed the entire building down and put some sort of signs up saying, go home, sit quietly, pray, meditate, whatever, some sort of sign like that. And it... Most people felt they were revolutionised by this experience. Just the forced re requirement to not do all the busy things, which many of us discovered in COVID. A lot of the things we've been doing with our lives, turns out we didn't really need to do them, or maybe we didn't actually want to do them, we just kind of got stuck with them. I think Advent is that moment that we can take it again, even though it's a crazy time, these four weeks of Advent, we can prepare in quietness because... Like the poem says, 
Even now, you never know. Even now, you never know.